Number one, we're pulling out of Romans for a couple of days, for a couple of weeks as we enter into October uh, fall time and a chance to, uh, to reflect on what's getting ready to take place at our church and we're getting ready to have a revival. And what does that mean? What takes place? What, is a, what does a revival mean? And how will that affect me? And uh, we are just three Sundays away, counting today, three Sundays away from our anniversary service, the church's 60th anniversary Sunday. And uh, what an honor and privilege it is for us to be able to celebrate that uh, church to stand that long in the community um, says something about the church. And not only that, but it also says something about where we're at today. What are we doing today? May we do uh, what they did 60 years ago and continue this foundation of this church to go forward another 60 years or longer until Jesus comes back. So, I hope that you plan to be a part of that Sunday. I hope that you're bringing somebody with you. And uh, it would be a blessing uh, to see this place packed out and uh, have to get extra chairs out, huh? And uh, that would be a blessing. It's great to see every, each and every one of you here. Jonah chapter number one. Jonah is a very familiar uh, book, uh, a very familiar story, uh, Jonah and Jonah. Uh, Jonah was the man who ran from God, uh, and then in the belly of the well, got things right, and went to Nineveh and uh, preached a revival. And we'll get to that revival the last, that'll be that Sunday morning, October um, the, the uh, 20th, we'll have, uh, on that Sunday, we'll preach that, ser that sermon. But as we gear up, there's things that took place for Jonah to have a revival, for even Nineveh to take place and have a revival. And for us to have a revival, understand this, revival is not a, a set of meetings and, and uh, we all gather together and uh, randomly, uh, uh, by circumstance, God's going to show up and is going to accidentally give us revival. Um, the church, uh, you have to allow yourself to be used of God, empty yourself of self, to be filled of God, to be used in a miraculous way, uh, to, to have God be used. Revival in of the sense, if you've ever heard of it or ever been involved with it, I've been involved with revival. I've seen, I've seen revivals take place. And I've seen revivals take place and we have an extra set of meetings and it does absolutely nothing to help the church. And I've been involved with revivals where the, the preacher came in and it wasn't the, the, the preacher, okay? It's not the preacher that's going to be preaching. It's the God that he's going to be preaching about that can change our lives. And I've seen God move and I've seen God work. And I, hey, even I am, I remember how God worked on me at revival meetings. Maybe many, somebody in here today was saved at a revival meeting. So it's important to have, but it's important to be involved with. But we need to, there's some preparation work that takes place before you can have a revival. And one of the most important things that can take place for the church is to pray. 
because it doesn't matter how what kind of sign you put out on your door or what kind of flyers you hand out and what kind of <coughs> things, promotions you may do and lunch you may give away, but if you're not praying about what you're doing, then it's not going to go very far. And as a church, we need to pray as we prepare for this revival. Every person in here today, you need to ask yourself, and plan on putting it in your calendar to be here for that revival so that God can work in you. I'm planning on being here, not because I'm the preacher, but because I need it. I need, I need a refresh. I need a revival. So as we look at this, there were some choices that Jonah made that stirred him away from Revival stirred him away from uh, what we'll get down to the end. If you've ever read or ever heard stories, I'll, I'll uh, get to the sermon in just a moment. I'm trying to give you just a couple stories and, and uh, we'll get started. If you've ever read stories of, of the great revivals of the past and things that took place, <coughs> there was a preacher in the northern state his name was Jonathan Edwards and Jonathan Edwards was was a was a preacher and one day he preached a sermon titled sinners in the hands of an angry God and at this time and point of history in American history the churches and God uh, the things of God were growing the things of God uh, it was it was it was a revival across our country and Jonathan Edwards preached that morning a sermon he had preached before, a sermon he had he had done before, but he had spent, I, I, the, from what I've read, a couple, two or three days fasting and praying that God would use that message. And the, the, and the story is that Jonathan Edwards stood in, in, in that ser, or, or in that place and preached that sermon. And any of you. Jonathan Edwards, they, they said he didn't, he didn't raise his voice. He, didn't, he, didn't, uh, he read his sermon, maybe even a, much like a monotone voice going on. And as he read and preached that sermon, the story is that at the end of the sermon that people were hanging on to the pillars of the church all across the, all across the auditorium or all across the, the field there, afraid that they would fall into hell because of the sermon that he preached. But it wasn't the sermon that he preached, and it wasn't the man who was preaching, it was the God that was preaching through that man. And that revival, that same power, that same Holy Ghost power is available to our church today. But there's steps that have to take us to a place to get there. We will never get there unless we take steps to go there. <clears throat> Leonard Ravenhill said, I'm not going to get it completely right. Living, Leonard Ravenhill was an old preacher in the early 1900s. He said this, the reason you don't have revival uh, is because you're happy living without it. reason we don't have Holy Ghost power like they did back then is because we don't want it. <clears throat> the book of Acts, God worked uh, 
That's the same Holy Ghost that's available to you and me today. The same Holy Ghost that indwelt those men is the same Holy Spirit that that can indwell each and every one of us today, that can work in each and every one of us today. We will see in the book of Jonah, as Jonah takes his life in verse number 1, he begins uh, the command of God, verse number 1, verse number 2. We're not going to read all the text, but we're going to go through that whole whole chapter. Verse number 1, verse number 2, God comes to him, and he says, Listen, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach to those in Nineveh because they they need God, and they don't believe in God. They don't believe like you do. They don't believe that God is the answer for salvation. They don't believe that way, but I need you to go down there and preach the gospel. Well, Joshua said, or Jonah says, no, 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 God, I've got things figured out. Uh, I, I think I can do my own way. Uh, I think that I've got this handled, and, and I'm not going down there to Nineveh because those guys, uh, they'll kill me. Uh, there were stories that they would even peel the skin off of the preachers or peel the skin off of the people that would preach the gospel in that city. He was afraid to go there. He was afraid that if he went down there and preached the gospel, they might would kill him. So he ran. He ran as fast as he could. God gave him the command to go preach to the Ninevites. And he said, no, 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 I'm out of here. Jonah was a prophet. Jonah was a preacher. Jonah was a preacher of the Word of God. And he said, I'm out of here. I ain't doing that, God. Let's read in verse number 3 and we'll get through the text. I've got three simple points this morning. choices that he made as he got the command from God verse number one verse number two let's look in verse number three the Bible says but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord You will find his first choice, his first choice today was to rebel against God. What to rebel against God. What does the word rebel mean? Rebel means a person who rises in opposition and armed resistance against the ruler. Someone who doesn't agree with, someone who said, "I I got this figured out, God, I can handle it. I don't need to go down there and preach to them. I've been preaching just fine. Where I want, when I want, how I want. You're not going to tell me what to do. (coughs) And he does. He does what he wants to do. He leaves God. But if you'll notice in that text in verse number number 3, there's twice the, the Bible says that he ran from the presence of God. He wanted to get away from the presence of God. He wanted to rebel against the Bible. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23, he says for rebellion, that word rebellion, you know it's right, but you still don't do it. You know it's right, and you stick your, fa- your, your fist in someone's face and say, no, I'm doing it my way. I'll do my thing. I'll handle it my way. And that's exactly what Jonah did. The Bible says for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So you say, well, my rebellion's not that bad. 
me rebelling against God's word is not that bad. Yes, honey, it is. Because it's just like witchcraft. And what's witchcraft? If you'll study in the Old Testament and in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, there were some kings, or in the king period, there was a king named Manasseh. He was, the Bible says, he was listed as the most evil king there was. And do you know why? Because he had witches and warlocks and he had, and he had high places where they had high places where they should have never been. And that, that in of itself is an abomination unto God. And God says that rebellion that's in your heart, that you refuse to do what God wants you to do, and you refuse, I got it, I'll handle it. You refusing to do what God wants, that is the same sin of witchcraft. None of us would, would, would think about going and practicing to be a witch. But you'll practice being a witch because you want to do your thing, your way, how you want it, when you want it, where you want it, when God tells you to do otherwise. That's rebellion. But he chose, no, no, I got this. <clears throat> hey, teenager. You ever felt like that as a teenager? Mom, I got this. I handle it. I got this. I know better. You ever felt like that? Mom? Hey, the person that's sitting beside you, they probably did. I got this. I handle it. Don't tell me what to do. Don't you dare tell me what to do. I got this. I didn't point you out. You pointed yourself out. I'm sorry. But as a Christian, we do that to God. God says, I want you to go here. Yeah, I, I got this. I'll handle it. God says, I want you to live a certain life. <laughs> I got this. I'll handle it. And that's how we treat God. And that same rebellion, the Bible says, is as the sin of witchcraft. So not only did he rebel against an outright direct order from God. Now, I don't know about you. But if God was speaking to me and he said, Trenton, I need you to go there. I think that I might would go, I heard the voice, I'm leaving. I'm going where you want me to go. But Jonah said, he heard the voice and the voice of God said, go to Nineveh. He said, nope, see you later. And he ran. He thought he could run from the presence of God. But you'll find in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 23, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So don't you think for just one moment you'll run from the presence of God and get away with it? Don't you think for just one moment I'll get away with it, I'll do my own thing? No, the Lord will see what you're doing. The Lord will see where you're at. The Lord will see it because the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. So don't be rebellious towards God because he can still see it. He sees your actions. <clears throat> there were a lot of things you got away with mama never knew about and still to this day she don't know about. But God knew and God does know. You be rebellious all you want to. God's going to see every action. I got it. Now you say, why did you think he put his fist in God's face? Because he said, I'm running the other way. You ever put your, you ever put your fist in God's face? No. I would never put my fist in God's face. Have you ever disobeyed a command on purpose? 
then you put your fist in God's face. The audacity, the rebellion that was in his heart to look at God, to hear God's voice, and to say, nope, I'll handle it. But I want to tell you something. As much audacity and foolishness that I see here, I see in us Christians sometimes when you see it right here in black and white. Don't tell me how to live. I'm not. He is. He's right here in black and white. See, he made a couple choices that weren't so bright. One, he chose to rebel. Two, he chose to run. I'm going to get away with this. I'm going to run. I remember as a kid growing up, I got in trouble. We tried to outrun my grandma. And I, we could outrun, we could outrun Grandma, with, and she had that switch running behind her, run, running with her. I was running from it. I could outrun Grandma, but pretty soon, I quit running, and I had to go back inside, and I couldn't run no more. So you think you can run and get away with it? Bible says, be sure. There's something, something, something that's gonna happen. It's a promise of God. Be sure your sin will find you out. You think you can hide it? You think you can run from it? <coughs> it's guaranteed. <clears throat> guaranteed. It'll come back. It'll get you. I'll run from it. You will run from it till you're, till you're breathing. and <laughs> hey, You'll run. Look what it says, what he says. Bible says in verse number three that he went from the presence of God. If you'll notice there... In verse number three, there's a specific term the Bible uses, and he says, and he so he went down to he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish, which was the place that he wanted to go. Okay? Now, I, just to give you a little bit of geography lesson, and I, I'm not a big geography guy, okay, so just to understand, Nineveh was landlocked. There was not a place to get in by ship, okay? So he goes, I've got to go down to Joppa and get on a ship. Because if I'm on a ship, there's no way I can get to Nineveh. Uh, this is what his mind thought was. So he goes down to Nineveh, he goes down to Joppa, gets on a ship, and gets to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down. He went down into it. There's a phrase in the Bible that any time, not any time, but a lot of times when a man or a woman did something they weren't supposed to do, rebelled against God, the Bible mentions that they go down. Jonah did it in this text. Samson did it in the book of Judges. The Bible says that he went down, down to go see a woman. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something, Christian. When you are doing something, when you're running from the presence of God, you're not running in the right direction. You're not running at all in the right direction. Quit running from God. Quit running from God. Quit it. Quit trying to avoid it. Run, the, run back to God. And this is, this is his choice. He's like, I got this. I'll handle this. So he went down there. He paid the fare thereof. And then he got on the ship. In verse number four, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there came a mighty tempest into the sea, so the ship was like to be broken. So not only did he rebel, he made a choice to rebel. He made a choice 
He made a choice to run. <coughs> and lastly, look at, listen to what happens. He makes a choice to refuse. A choice to refuse. You ever tried to give something to somebody? No. Uh-uh. I don't want it. Refuse? Do you know what he did to God? I'm refusing this. I don't want you. I'm running from you. I sure ain't going to Nineveh. I don't, have any, I don't have any desire to go down there. I refuse this. Jonah refused. Look in verse number 5. Look what happens. Verse number 4, the ship's about to break in pieces. And what does Jonah do? Verse number 5. Then the mariners were afraid, which were the guys that were running the ship, were afraid and cried out unto, uh, unto his God. Every one of them started crying out to their God, Help us! We need help! Our ship's about to go down. Our ship's breaking into pieces. We need help! And the, the, the Bible says, And cast forth their wares... Uh, that were in the ship into the sea and lightened it of them. They were starting to throw things off the ship to make the ship lighter so that it wouldn't sink and so that it wouldn't break into pieces. But there, there was Jonah in the bottom of the ship. The Bible says, but Jonah was gone, had gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay fast asleep. Jonah, that heathen, not only did he rebel against God and he ran from God, but he refused to listen to God. God said, Jonah, wake up. Jonah, I'm here. Jonah, listen to me. Now you'll see here in this text, there are multiple warnings that God gave Jonah. Look in verse number 5. He says, he says I'm going to try to get a storm going. And there's Jonah. He said, nope, I refuse. And verse number 7, the Bible says, Verse number 6, they wake him up. Hey, what are you doing, man? Verse number 7, they cast lots to see who the evil would fall on. Look, all, this, all these things are taking place, and Jonah's sitting there going, Nope, I'm not doing it, God. I'm not listening to you. I'm not having it your way. I'm having it my way. That's how I want to be. That's not how Christianity is supposed to be. Have it my way. No, it's have it God's way. He refused God. He said during the storm he refused God. After the storm he refused God. The lots were cast and they, and they fell on him to reveal that he was the evil one. And he still refused God. Then verse number 9. He lied about what was taking place. In verse number 9 he said unto them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. You say, what do you mean he lied? That's a lie. Because if he feared God, he wouldn't be on that ship. And if he feared God, he would have fell on his face and begin to pray and begin to worship God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I rebelled. I'm sorry I ran. I'm sorry I refused to do the will of God. He would have fell right there on his face if he would have truly feared God. But he didn't. He lied. During the storm, after the storm, the lots cast on him, he lied. <coughs> Verse number 10. <coughs> The Bible says that they were, the men were exceedingly afraid. What hast thou done this? Why have you done this? But you'll notice in verse number 10, the men of the ship knew something that was true about Jonah. They said in verse number 10 that these men, they, the men knew that he fled from the presence of God. 
they knew that he fled from the presence of God. They understood it. They knew that he did. So God's given him multiple chances, would you say? Would you say that God's given him a chance to repent? God's given him a chance to get right, but he's still refusing to do things God's way. I got it. I'll handle it. Verse number 12. He says, and, and, and he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. What is Jonah deciding? He says, hey, guys, hey, I'm willing because I'm so rebellious and I'm so stubborn and I'm not moving and I'm not going an inch and I'm not going to give up my own way. I'm not going to give up my way for God's way. No, just throw me overboard. Are you kidding me? What kind of decision is that? Yeah, hey, you can live in your rebellious state and you can live being stubborn all you want and do your thing and your way. I got it. I'll handle it, God. So much to the fact, just throw me overboard then. Are you crazy? He ought to sue his brain for non-support. Who makes that kind of decision? I'll tell you who makes that kind of decision. Somebody who is being rebellious, who is running from God, and refuses to do things God's way. I got this. I'll handle this. Throw me overboard. I got it. So they did. And even as they're getting him ready to throw him overboard, he still has a chance. He still has a chance to get right. Verse 15. So they took Jonah up and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Just like that. The wind stopped. The waves stopped. The ship was safe, and everybody in it was just fine. And Jonah was happy as a lark, sitting in the middle of the sea, doing things his own way. Now that's where you'll get, Christian. That's where you will be. You do things your own way. Because you'll rebel, and you will run, and you will refuse. And the end of the chapter says, God prepared a great fish to swallow him. And that great fish swallowed him. I got it. I'll handle it. He handled it all right. And to his foolishness, and to his rebellion, and to his stubbornness, doing things his own way, he said, in that stomach for three days. I got it. I'll handle it. I'll figure it out. I'll get out of here. He was going to get out of there. It may not be the way that he wanted to get out of there, but he was going to get out of there. And every Christian that says, I got it, I'll handle it, stubborn, refuse to do right, refuse Refuse the help of God. Refuse that. Run from God. You do that, you'll find yourself right where God wants you. You say, God wants me? You run from God long enough. The Bible says, the, to whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Be times. 
And I'm not going to pick your child up and spank them. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. But I'll pick my child up and give her a spanking. You say, well, I'll call somebody on you. Go ahead. I don't care. Because I'm still going to do it. So, 